Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. We are the last panel before lunch, I understand, so we will try to be short, sweet, and to the point. And I want to thank you for being here today, and also thank you, Nicholas, for putting another successful uh, forum on operation and excellence in shipping. Our subject will be water, uh, ballast water treatment, and we have representatives from uh, uh, regulators, the, uh, the class society, manufacturers, and also shipping companies who have installed and operated ballast water management system on board. If I may have a short introduction of our panelists, on my left is Konstantinos Tabedakis, representing Erma First Engineering Solution. Is a company that uh, provides systems and installs them. Dimitris Vastaruchas is Deputy Chief Operating Officer of the Naos Corporation, and a large uh, Greek shipping company with a lot of containers. Theo Baltazis, Managing Director of Technomar Shipping, a company that has both bulk carriers and containers under management. And Loiso Seias, Vice President manager of Maritime Service uh, Center and advisory of DNVGL, who is here to give us uh, the compliance perspective. If I may say a few words be before I pass the floor to the panelists, uh, the Ballast Water Management Convention has been enforced in September 2018. We have seen uh, approved systems both from the IMO and the U.S. Coast Guard. I think the U.S. Coast Guard has already 21 type-approved ballast water management system, and there are another 10 under uh, review and approval. There are still some alternative uh, management systems on board. Those were the systems that they were placed earlier, and uh, most likely they don't meet both of the IMO and the U.S. Coast Guard requirements, which, by the way, they differ a bit on treated water. We have seen from the early installation some other issues as practical aspects from ordering to installation, commissioning, training, operating, how to deal with uh, malfunctions. You heard earlier from the U.S. Coast Guard and the Australian representative a few issues. Uh, there is also uh, to be adapted at uh, IMO MEPC 75 and enforced on October 2021, the validation testing during commissioning of the ballast water management system, and we will hear on this. And from the U.S. Coast Guard, also there is a reform act that is called Vessel Incidental Discharge Act of 2018, which is going to be also effective for vessel operating in U.S. Uh, waters. From the Liberia perspective, uh, our contribution to this convention has been an effort to delay the installation of the systems up to 2024 because we thought a few years back that there are not uh, adequate technology and system that they are in compliance with the regulation and also the bottleneck effect on shipyard availability to install the systems. Uh, today, our fleet, uh, it's either uh, comply on D1 standards with a ballast water management plan, record book, uh, and an international certificate, or with a D2 performance standard, which is an install and operating systems. 
our early experience from operation of install management system on board, mostly in buildings, uh, I think is rather positive. Uh, we have seen system working and operating. We do see reluctance from the crew on board to operate the system. We have a few cases in U.S. water where the master and the chief officer said that, sorry, I, I don't want to operate the system, so we had to intervene with the U.S. Coast Guard who assist us, but also Coast Guard said, okay, we do offer you one-time exemption, but we will not be continuing allowances if such an issue reoccurs. So the Port State Controls and the U.S. Coast Guard, they emphasize training on your crew to operate the system and know its limitations and, of course, maintenance of the system. Finally, we do participate uh, in IMO during this experience building phase and we receive data from different uh, vessels, uh, sam samples of treated uh, ballast uh, water, and uh, so to increase our experience on installation system. Turning to the floor to hear more of what's going on today, I will start with Loizos uh, from the NVGL and I will ask from the regulatory compliance perspective, where are we today with respect both to IMO and the U.S. Coast Guard? Well, uh, hello everybody. Um, the answer to that one is that the regulatory part uh, from the IMO side is much simpler, simpler now. Uh, so far, it was a bit complicated to really understand when a system needs to be involved or needs to be installed on a ship. Uh, nowadays, it's very simple. After the 8th of September, after the 8th of uh, September, uh, the all ships have to install a treatment system uh, before the the next IOPP renewal. Uh, and that is if it is uh, decoupled or not decoupled. So the next five years, all the ships uh, have to comply. With uh, USCG, the regulation is a bit different, as you know. It is linked to the next scheduled dry docking. So there may be different timing having to install by the USCG requirements or the IMO. Of course, this is up to the operators to decide based on their operational strategy and operational profile of the vessels to, design, to decide when to install. Some uh, statistics from our side uh, indicate that 25% only of the world fleet have the system installed. That means in the next five years, we have 75% of the fleet to comply. This is a lot of work. This is a big stress on everybody, on the owners themselves, because the owners have to comply also with uh, other things like scrappers and IHM are coming into the picture these days. It's stress on the manufacturers of the systems, it's stress on the classification societies to approve the systems, etc. The most interesting statistic is that in 2022, half of the remaining fleet has to comply in that particular year. And this is because, in the, uh, this is because of the decoupling, which was done five years before in 2017. So this is very critical. And uh, 
my strong recommendation to the owners is to start working on this to avoid as much as possible this peak of 2022. And I will give you a couple of uh, practical examples how to approach this. Uh, first example, it's a frequent question which we get uh, from our clients frequently, and that is, what if the ballast water treatment system is to be commissioned before the next IOPP renewal survey? Uh, this may also be the choice of the owners to do so. For example, if there is a dry dock, the next scheduled dry dock of the ship, is, uh, it, it can be even a few years before the next scheduled decoupled probably IOPP renewal survey. So in that case, what is the best strategy? To my opinion, the best strategy is to go for the installation of the treatment system on board, but to not carry out yet the IOPP renewal. Uh, by doing so, you will maintain the operation with D1 exchange and D2 treatment. So if the, if the ship is found in a port where there is uh, any problems with uh, uh, treatment, you can automatically do exchange and that is allowed, it's possible. So this is uh, an operational flexibility. Training of the people is very crucial. You may have uh, the best system on board, but uh, we have seen cases where lack of, of uh, top quality training uh, led to operational inabilities. And in those cases, if you have the D1 option, you can do exchange. So this is very important. The next question we, which is raised frequently is what if the ballast water treatment system cannot be fitted by the next IOPP renewal? I had recently a couple of such cases. Uh, and uh, in fact, uh, two uh, very respectable flags have given postponement of this requirement for three months. Uh, of course, I have to, to be fair and uh, explain that these postponements came together with postponement of the special survey. So uh, that was easier for the flag to decide, and that's how we landed on the three months. Three months, as you know, is the SOLAS uh, allowance for postponement of special and renewal surveys. The, the next thing I would like to comment on is uh, sampling. Uh, if that's okay, Michali. Uh, oh, the sampling, as you know, it's a freshly coming requirement uh, this year from MEPC 74. Uh, sampling requirements in connection with commissioning, that is sampling of inlet and then discharge water, they come into effect officially October 2021. MEPC, however, encouraged flags to start commissioning uh, testing as soon as possible and as you probably know, Singapore has already went for this uh, option. From the classification society's point of view, I would just like to, to note that uh, we are working on approving service suppliers to make it easier for the, for, for the operators to get through these uh, sampling testing requirements. So our uh, ultimate target is when we do the commissioning surveys to accept the test, a report from an approved service supplier providing the respective report. 
last uh, two comments to mention is uh, this is uh, uh, this is still a new requirement and there is a lot of uh, thinking and work uh, on this uh, some considerations which will come sooner or later into the picture is what happens if uh, there is no available testing companies at the particular location where we do the commissioning or what happens if, for example, the salinity of the water is such that uh, it's outside the operational limits of, of the treatment system as documented in the, in the type approval certificate? Or what happens if we have some issues with uh, the cleaning of the ballast tanks, which resulted in failing of the D2 test? So all these things will have to be sorted out, and I think I shall leave it at this. Thank you, Loizos. Uh, for the uh, briefed, uh, brief reply. <laughs> now, I, I would like to go to both uh, Dimitris and Theo, representing uh, or managing large fleet of containers and bulk carriers, to give us uh, an idea where are they today on installing and operating systems and some of their practical solution that they have been applying. You can start, uh, Dimitri, and then Theo. Hello to everyone. Uh, I just returned yesterday from a trip in Asia, and I was thinking in the airplane, uh, is it real, is it effective to have a ballast treatment system on board? There is so big story around this, but nobody is uh, sure yet uh, how uh, effective is this solution. However, everybody knows that it is a reality and we have to do it. So, from owner's perspective, I think that the most important thing is to install these systems on board and ensure the smooth operation of the system and the sustainability of the system. At the end, what counts to us is to be trouble-free, to have trouble-free operation, and at the same time, to have a normal OPEX without damages, without problems. I think that today we have reached this point, although at the beginning we had many doubts about this. But how this can happen from a shipping company is, uh, you know, the chance to share with you some points that uh, it is at least our company's uh, points, perspectives. There are three main parameters to have successful installation and operation of ballast treatment system on board. The first one is the engineering work. The engineering work, uh, to our view, is better to be carried out internally, but not all companies have this uh, ability to do so. So in these cases, there are reliable uh, design houses that can offer such services. And I'm telling this because uh, we have found, after installation of, let's say, around 15 systems in our ships, that uh, most problems result due to the bad engineering work or minor issues that have to be considered on time. Uh, I think that a company should uh, move towards uh, one or two maximum uh, makers in order to have well-trained staff to support the installation and maintenance work. There are some reliable makers in the market uh, from one system or another type of system, but uh, at the end, uh, the job can be done uh, with any of these systems. Uh, the second key parameter, however, is the crew training, as mentioned before by Loisos. This is really, really important, 
And uh, I think that uh, uh, what we really need is to highlight to these people on board the uh, fine tunings that system requires in order to operate smoothly. For the first crew that is on board when the commissioning is done, it is easy because the makers are there, extensive training is carried out, familiarization is in place, everything is fine. The problem is with others that will substitute the existing crews. So I think that uh, should have a structured training, which is first, the, as I mentioned, training during commissioning. Second, a kind of CBT or periodical training for refreshment of the knowledge of the uh, crew on board. And third, if the company can support it, to have a kind of structured advanced training that can, offer, can be offered to uh, seafarers and uh, it depends if uh, you have your own CFRs or you have cooperation with mining offices, etc. And when I say training, I mean specific training, which has to do with the specific equipment on board that will be the same to the other ship and to the next trip and to the other ship. The last one, I think it is a solid maintenance plan that has to be prepared, a plan that is based on a, a standard critical spare parts list that always have to be on board, plus uh, the knowledge and the procedures and the processes that have to be uh, known to everyone, and the periodical inspections that have to be carried out, etc. I think that at the end, a kind of OPEX in the range of three to 5,000 per year is not a big deal for a shipping company. And uh, very soon, under all these circumstances, then we can have a system that will work on board like any other equipment that we have today. Would you like to add your experience? And also, since you, Dimitri has experience with containers, but you have bulk carriers and containers, can you also touch if there are any differences on the vessel type? And making the decision on the treatment plan, etc. Thank you. Of course, I will thank you, Michalis. Thank you, Nicholas, for inviting us uh, here today. Indeed, uh, Dimitris targeted spot on uh, the major issues that, uh, from an owner's perspective, uh, we are very much concerned. Uh, I have to say that uh, our fleet is basically containers, and uh, we have only about 30 bulk carriers. That is uh, a fair distinction between the two systems that we eventually decided uh, we are going to order. For the containers, where we, we do have ample of um, uh, electrical power on board, we have decided to go on, on the UV system while on uh, the bulk areas because of the operational parameters and the flexibility that uh, the electrolysis system provides, it was a uh, straightforward uh, decision to take. I have to say that uh, since 2013, 15% of our fleet has uh, installed uh, water ballast systems on board. At that particular period, we had only the UV type. Uh, the new buildings came out uh, uh, more or less that time. And um, being very fair and honest, up to now, uh, we didn't face any difficulty. We've managed over these six years, more or less, uh, to train uh, the majority of our crew on board. And uh, I believe that uh, with the installations coming ahead, the UV on the container side, 
having, let's say, two distinct pools of uh, uh, officers and crew, containers and bulkers, we will be able to absorb the new systems coming into the system. Over the last couple of years, I mean from uh, 2017 uh, onwards, when all the decouplings uh, of the IOPP certificate have been infected and start installing uh, ballast systems, I think today we are talking about uh, this 15% is already 40 to 42% of our fleet. Uh, electrolysis systems uh, came uh, into the company and the majority of uh, the crew have already been trained. Up to now, uh, being fair, we haven't got any problems with uh, the electrolysis systems also. And um, it is uh, very, very important, I believe, the choice of the manufacturer uh, being very reputable. Uh, thanks God, uh, one of them is sitting next to us, and uh, the other one is, I think, is sitting somewhere down on the floor. Uh, the two major suppliers are very reputable, and uh, this is, uh, as far as I'm concerned, the best starting point. Having also experience with um, and a third uh, manufacturer, which came into our fleet by accident, uh, by purchasing a couple of bulk carriers four years back. I have to say that uh, we faced tremendous problems operating, maintaining, supporting the system of these two bulk carriers. So, uh, point number one is choose something that is going to be there forever choose somebody who is reputable, choose somebody with experience to support you, and commit them to train you. That is very, very important. Despite, uh, let's say, the commissioning that we do, all of us, uh, when we do install the BALA system, uh, we have organized uh, uh, in our mining company in Manila uh, training sessions from uh, both uh, suppliers. So we do call uh, in the office around 30, probably 40 people, depending on the time of the year, and do training sessions uh, on the ballast water treatment. Uh, now, ballast water treatment is a necessity. We do have to comply. And uh, by saying that, we have to do our utmost in order to be there, because port side control is going to be on our back. We know that. And uh, training the people and maintaining the system uh, properly is of vital importance. Uh, I have a feeling, uh, Michael, that uh, after probably five years sitting probably on the same desk, ballast water treatment will be something like uh, a thing of the past. It is like the oily water separator that we're not going to talk much lately uh, about it. So it's going to be an equipment that is on board. Everybody, all the ships are going to have it. So it's, it's not going to be much to talk about. Uh, what I would urge the manufacturers is to have a dynamic list of essential spare parts. This is something that the experience they're building is going to give us an updated list of uh, essential spare parts in order to support internally the system. And last but not least, uh, network, network, network. The network of the manufacturer is very, very important because experience shows that if the manufacturer is a third uh, class or a third tier, I would say, manufacturer, uh, 
network is not going to be there and delays in uh, operation parameters of the ship are going to be very, very frequent. Thank you. Thank you, Theo. Costadinas, you saw Theo introduce you, so I don't need to say any good things about you, but I do like you to uh, offer us your comments on the entire process. You have been around several years, and also I know you are eager to comment on the compliant testing at commissioning, so do so. Good morning to everyone. Because thank you once more for filling the, the room. Um, and Theo, thank you for the introduction as well. Uh, so um, Ermafest uh, has been uh, out of the market uh, for almost 10 years. We've um, started doing uh, this ballast water treatment technology since 2017. And we established the company in 2019. Um, a lot of uh, things has happened the last uh, 10 years. Uh, we've grown from two people to almost 200 today. And we've grown from a couple of installations back in 2013 to uh, 700 installations already, uh, while our reference list uh, exceeds to 2,000 units uh, to cover approximately 1,700 vessels. Within um, the last year, uh, we have managed uh, to successfully commission uh, approximately 300 vessels, which is something like 380 uh, units. That gives us uh, the responsibility and, of course, the experience of knowing uh, what uh, a successful uh, installation means. Successful installation covered, is covered by what uh, uh, my colleagues uh, said earlier. Good engineering is really essential. Most of our uh, issues we're facing now uh, is related to that. Crew training, it is an absolute uh, necessity. We're leaving a, uh, a vessel, everyone is happy. We have um, signed and stamped the delivery report uh, from the owner, the class, uh, or the shipyard when we're talking uh, uh, for new builds. And within the first um, couple of days, uh, we received the first claims or emails from the crew saying, uh, uh, what are we doing now? We have experienced that um, commissioning on board is most crucial. However, commissioning during the installation phase is not really successful, especially in the retrofit uh, uh, market. The crew is occupied uh, with several other jobs, so that this, this training comes as a headache to them. It's just another tick on the, on the long list that they have. So we, we know that uh, training on board after the commissioning is more successful than during the commissioning. Um, CBT, yes, it's there. It is essential. But hands-on training is most important. And for that reason, uh, we have um, uh, cooperated uh, with uh, some training centers around the globe. Uh, we're starting with the first uh, wet, uh, as we call it, uh, training facility in, uh, in Manila, where most of our clients uh, uh, are sending their crew. Um, another important issue which has already been uh, covered, uh, it's the network. Uh, indeed, the things can go wrong on the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, so we should be prepared and have people 
uh, close by, not on the same port, uh, not even on the, uh, if not on the same port, sorry, to send uh, on board and uh, fix the issues. Um, we should have uh, consignment stock or spare parts around the globe. And uh, this is a subject that Ermafirst and I hope uh, most of uh, uh, um, BWTS makers is, is working on. We currently have uh, uh, 14 uh, service stations around the globe and we have uh, spare parts in, uh, in uh, strategic locations such as China, Korea, um, uh, Japan, Singapore, UAE, United States and of course uh, two or three places around Europe. Uh, developing this dynamic, and I like the word, uh, dynamic critical, a spare part list, it is essential as well. Uh, we as a maker, we have a standard critical list, however, during this experience uh, that we're going through now, uh, we change this list, doesn't mean that we enlarge this list, but we change it because we see that components that we were hoping that, uh, and they haven't failed during all our, our tests, they're failing, and, uh, and we've seen components which we thought uh, are sensitive, uh, they're not failing. So dynamic critical spare parts. Going to the compliance, and this is an important thing. Um, last year in the same table, uh, I've mentioned that we moved from the uncertainty era to, um, that I have done it era. I mean that I have installed a system, I'm working, a, I'm, I'm operating a system, maintaining a system. Why we're installing a system? Because we need to be compliant. And this is something that we hoped as a maker uh, was covered during the rigorous uh, testing that all of us went through. However, still we see that uh, there are some uh, uh, shortcuts in all these certification processes. And for that reason, IMO has uh, developed this Circular 70, uh, which um, um, asks commissioning, uh, testing during commissioning. This is something that uh, Irma First uh, is welcoming and uh, is, is, is prepared to, to, to do. Uh, we have geared up uh, since a few months ago with, uh, with uh, a reputable, laboratory, international laboratory, who is doing that, and we have already performed few uh, of these compliance tests. I just came back from United States, where actually we had long discussions with the regulators, the U.S. Coast Guard regulators, EPA, and of course IMO, during which, this, uh, on those discussions, what we have realized is that this um, compliance testing, it, is, it came to stay and most probably after 2022 when this IMO experience building phase will be over, this compliance testing will be part of the yearly renewal of the International Ballast Water Management Certificate. Therefore, installing a system, operating the system, maintaining a system is the only way that those tests will prove compliance and this will give you the green light to operate your good vessels and concentrate on your main job which is to trade and uh, cargo and not to operate ballast water treatment systems. Thank you. Thank you, Costadinos. I think you gave us an overview of uh, the systems that your company offers. But uh, we have about four or five minutes and I want very brief reply on um, malfunctioning uh, treatment of uh, ballast water management plants. 
and I will start from DNVGL, who has seen many of those, and then I want each one of you, Theo, Dimitri, and Constantinos, to give me a couple of sentences, if you have a counter and how you solve. Okay, Loisus. I will just uh, concentrate on the important things. If you come across malfunctioning, first thing to inform is the post-date control at destination and the flag. Very urgent to avoid possible detention. Uh, the other important thing, to my opinion, is that when you install the ballast water treatment system, you go for D2. But please do not scrap the D1 ballast water management plan. This can be a very good contingency in case you are at a port uh, with a problem on your treatment system and you can make reference to that from your ballast water management plan for D2. So this is very important. There are different contingency measures which are uh, given in the circular 62 of the convention, like ballast to another, uh, transfer ballast to another ship or, uh, or to land-based facilities, but all this costs a lot of money. So please just keep this in mind. D1 not to be scrapped as a plan, but keep it and make it reference from the D2. Thank you, Loisos Theo. I would say that we never had a huge problem except of these uh, uh, third-tier uh, ballast systems that uh, we have uh, repeated nature of breakage of rectifiers, sensors, and um, basically these two are the main issues on uh, the third-tier uh, supply. On the other uh, two manufacturers up to now, nothing to be reported. Of course, Operating containers, uh, the majority of our fleet, operational-wise, you have ways out of, um, let's say, a problem because usually you enter the port with absolutely minimum ballast, basically on the healing tanks. Uh, but on on bulkers is a different story altogether. We are more cautious on the bulkers. Of course, using the electrolysis type, uh, you have uh, the way out of discharging bypassing the system. You do ballast only using the electrolysis type and discharging, bypassing it. Uh, but uh, operational parameters, uh, they are mainly there. Uh, a reasonable cost, as Dimitri said, five to $7,000 per year uh, on maintenance is, uh, I believe, uh, the average for a normal system. Yeah. In our case, uh, we followed what uh, Loiso suggested before. We installed the systems prior to deadlines. So all this period, first of all, we have uh, the option of D2 or D1. And uh, we selected one maker only. And uh, uh, coming back to the engineering work, I have to say that all the engineering work has been done by our company's R&D and most of installation work has been done by our company's electric department. So uh, first, we had plenty of time to evaluate the performance of the system, to prepare the necessary spares part lists, and to uh, highlight potential risks and train the crew accordingly. So far, we didn't have any serious case, and in case that something really, really difficult uh, uh, happens, then we have to follow one of the countermeasures, but we don't believe that that will happen. Thank you. And Costadino, just one word. We know you have a good system. 
<laughs> okay. Um, no matter how hard uh, all the BWTS makers try to make an breakable system, systems are, are, are breaking, that's for sure. So contingency measures as uh, um, um, keeping D1 standard. Uh, have a nice paragraph in your ballast water management plan, including the co uh, describing the contingency measures. It's always there. But on top of that, practically, uh, you as, a, as, an, as an owner should have this critical spare part list on board. Should ha you should have a good and close cooperation with, uh, with the maker. And we, as a maker, we should provide you 24-7 uh, support, and uh, we should uh, have enough uh, capacity to cover your needs when uh, to cover your needs when uh, the vessel is needed thank you thank you all uh, we complete this session and thank you for your attention we are just on time so if nicolas allow we can take a question or two since we have a concentrated experience here on this table so uh, i give you a chance to ask if anybody wants. So if nobody then uh, enjoy the lunch. <laughs>